How to create a vision for your career. The importance of designating your non-negotiables for your career and your work-life balance. The three biggest reasons why she just decided to go full-time on her side hustle. How to know whether or not you should trust your gut. The most important conversation that you can have with your boss. What to do if you want a promotion and so much more coming right up. This is episode number three, one, nine with entrepreneur and career consultant, Andrea Martin. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. Do you want to go from unmotivated to work out to more disciplined than ever before? If so, then go check out the Best You 10-week transformation program that gives you the ability to set a worthy goal, create a predictive and workable game plan, and maximize your discipline through accountability. Just visit go.nickcarrier.com slash 10-week program to get started from anywhere today. Today, I'm super pumped to bring you the one and only Andrea Martin. Andrea has recently made a big career jump to leave a high paying job to go full time on her career consulting business. As a mom of a three and a four year old, the decision was not an easy one for her to leave, but she was ready to make the jump so that she could start making and earning a multiple six figure income on her own. Andrea is a career consultant and has been helping hundreds of people over the past three years make big jumps in their career, make big pivots, get raises and promotions and so much more. So for those of you ambitious people out there who are looking to get ahead in their career, this episode is for you. Be sure you're subscribing to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast on the Apple Podcast app, on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and be sure you share this episode with a friend while you're listening. All you got to do is send them to nickcarrier.com slash podcast. But without further ado, here's to getting closer and closer to your best you with the one and only Andrea Martin. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. I am super fired up today to be joined by the one and only Andrea Martin. Andrea, I just want to start off by saying thanks so much for spending the time with me today. Oh, man, I'm super excited. Happy to be here. Yeah, of course. Well, I'm not going to do the uh, the quick overview of your career any justice, but really quickly, your, your first job was as an international wireline field engineer. And the reason why I bring that up is because that's a big part of your story in regards to you kind of getting to a role in that company that would traditionally take five plus years for kind of a normal individual, but it took you more about two years and, and two months. And you were very deliberate throughout your career, kind of from there on out, really like analyzing all the decisions that you've made and what worked and and what didn't work. And you were very intentional around the strategy that you would always take in, in regards to pursuing your career goals. And so I'm really excited to help all the people listening today because so many of the people here, I mean, you don't listen to the best you podcast unless you're an ambitious person and you want to get closer to the best version of yourself and you want to have a really great career that you can look back on and have a lot of pride in and and feel really great about. And so I'm really excited for, for you to be here today to help people navigate through that because I have so many friends and so many peers and so many listeners who I know they're in a spot where they communicate it like, I don't really mind my job, but I know I'm not going to be here for the next year or two years or so. So I'm trying to figure out kind of my next move. And so many people are in that position. And so I'm really excited to kind of have you here to uh, to speak to those people and help them out. But the kind of the first question I want to ask you is, is there a most important career decision that you've made that you didn't really realize the significance of at the time, but you realize it now looking back on it? Oh gosh, yes. And I can tell you every decision that I made throughout my whole career comes down to this fundamental, I would say, factor, which is what are your non-negotiables in life that at the end of the day, you know, at your core have to be met? So for example, for me, you know, part of my core values and part of the things that I personally value is time with, with my family, being able to see the bigger picture, being able to have time away from, from my job in order to fulfill some personal passions. If those things are not being met, it really drives me to analyze and say, is there a change that needs to happen right now in order for those things to come back to, to the play? And you mentioned the international um, 
role that I had. And one of the things through that role that I really set out from the beginning was I want to make the most out of this. And for those listening that say, you know, I know that I'm not going to be here for more than one or two years, or maybe they don't feel like this is where they belong. My question would be, what do you want to get out of over the next one or two years that are going to help you create the fun, that foundation for your next role? Don't be on cruise control when it comes to your career. If Even if it's not in the right lane that you need to be in right now, what could you be doing in that lane while you're there to prepare yourself for the next move? So when I look back to the beginning of my career and I, I was working 24 days on, six days off, and they were in the six days off were optional. So as you can tell, like during that time, I probably actually didn't have six days off. I worked six months with no days off. And I realized I was not having a relationship with my family like I normally would. Like we're a very close family and it would be months. And my mom would say, I haven't heard from you. I was, and I could swear I spoke to her yesterday. And it's because, you know, time's going by so fast when you're in a fast paced environment and I realized, okay, this is, this is a non-negotiable. Like I have to take time to foster the relationships with the people I care about most and no job should go above that. And that is the fundamental piece that's led me to really all the decisions that I've made from there on. Are there any other, are there other non-negotiables that you have kind of like listed out and in, in which kind of give you a lens for your decision-making? I, I look at the factor of being challenged and growing. Um, mm-hmm. If, you know, if, if you're not, if you're not growing, you're dying, right? That's the one of a very famous quote, I believe by Jim Rohn. Um, but that to me is super important. Like that's something that I personally value is if I'm, if I am not consistently seeing the growth that I want to see in myself, in my skills, in my leadership abilities, I feel like something is missing and something really big is missing. And I noticed that in a previous role that I've had in my career where I kind of reached that top and there really wasn't much left to do. And if I'm not focusing on the next thing that I'm going after, I I lose motivation. So I know that for me, that's a non-negotiable. If I want to thrive, I got to see the growth. I got to be challenged. I got to be surrounded by people with similar mindset that is really important to me. And you'll find yourself potentially in certain companies where the culture is not a growth mindset culture. And that right there would be a non-negotiable for someone like me. And most likely for your listeners, be based on the fact that they're, you know, listening to a podcast on personal development and growth. Yeah, no, I think that's a, I think that's a huge one. I had a conversation with somebody on, on a, on a prior podcast and one of the things that he talked about is you need to sometimes disrupt yourself and your career if you feel like you've been in a role where your kind of growth is flatlining for a while. You need to find a way to, if you feel like you're not growing anymore, either you need to make a pivot or maybe it's like, okay, what do I want to get out of this next year or this next season? Uh, but kind of talk to the people who, like I mentioned in the beginning, and I'll just kind of, I hadn't thought about this beforehand, but why do you think most people phrase it like that? in regards to, I think I'm going to be here for another year, maybe two years, but then I probably want to do something else because I feel like most people are saying that because maybe they're not enjoying their job or they don't think they are fitted for this role. What do you think most people are thinking when they say, I'm going to be here for another year to two years? Because I know you have a lot of experience with clients and stuff like that who maybe feel that way. Absolutely. And I, I it comes down to the majority of the time is the thought of making a change creates this trickle effect of overwhelm. They say, okay, I'm going to make a change. I'm not going to wait one or two years. I'm going to go look at jobs. Oh, well, my resume is not updated. Well, is this even a good resume? Oh, well, look how many job descriptions are out there. Well, can I even network? And all of a sudden they go through this what if scenario of everything that they don't have ready to go. And they convince themselves that maybe I should wait another one or two years before I make this move. But you are more than capable of making that move right now. Um, I'll share a quick story real quick. I had a client recently who came to me and she was in this role completely miserable and she had only been there for five months. But day one, sometimes you know from day one, you're like, oops, this is definitely not for me. But there's this preconceived notion that if you've been there for five months, well, you got to stick it out for a whole year. I I mentioned to her, you went to school, you, you've done all these things to get to where you're at. Do you really think five months in one role and switching now is really going to create this ripple effect of negativity in your career for the rest of your life? And 
uh, if, the, if there's an ounce of maybe not, then I think we should take action. And what's the worst thing that could happen is you don't get those jobs. Okay, well, at least you know when you tried and you put an effort forward. So we looked at two internal job postings within her company and she gave me all the excuses in the world why it would not work out. They don't approve people with my experience. I don't have enough time here for this to happen. They're not even going to let me interview. I go, stop rejecting yourself and let uh, someone else make that decision. Not only was she able to interview for those two roles, the two managers pretty much came to her and said, we both want you. So which one do you want? And she was able to pick the one she wanted and she's making that move. And her new boss pretty much said, yeah, I actually had a small, a small role similar to yours. And I left it because I didn't like it either. And it's not going to make a big deal, but she convinced herself she had to be there for one or two more years before making that move. And I think a lot of times we have these self-imposed guidelines that we think are going to hold us back and they're really not there. Yeah, no, I think that's, and that's super important. What, where's kind of the balance in regards to, I feel, and the, re, the reason I'm asking this question is I feel like a lot of people, millennials are impatient and sometimes they think that they should make a move maybe quicker than they actually should or that they deserve to be promoted maybe sooner than they actually should. Where's kind of the balance of, not holding myself back. And so I should go ask them and let them reject me versus maybe I just do need to put in more time and maybe I do need to pay my dues. Maybe I do need to put in the grind a little bit longer. Where's kind of the, that balance of kind of patience versus impatience, if you will. Yeah. If you're in a situation right now where if you wait any longer, you're going to become someone that you're not proud of. You're going to get frustrated. Other areas of your life are going to suffer. At that point, we're talking more of a fundamental change that needs to happen that is not necessarily driven by a financial component or even a promotion component, more of the right environment for you. However, I have also been a people leader for 12 plus years, and I've had people come to me telling me they're ready for promotions that I did not believe they were ready for. And I've had to have those conversations with them as well. So to me, that would be more of an advice or, or I guess, a a strategy that I've used for my whole career has been aim for operating two levels higher than where you are right now. That way, one, you know that those opportunities exist in your company. Two, when you go and have those conversations for promotions, you're making it such a clear cut picture that you're more than ready because people will perceive you already as two levels higher and wonder, oh, you're not a level three. I could have sworn you were a level three by the way that you that you portray your projects, how you bring stuff to the table. So I would say there's two different two different buckets. The bucket of if you're completely miserable and you are not you're not proud of what this environment is turning you into, it's time to we're not a tree, right? We're not planted in one area. We can step away and maybe make a parallel move that will help us grow. But if you are trying to position yourself for a next level, my question would be, are you already operating at that level? Because that's been the first thing where I've I've promoted people and I've not promoted people is a promotion to me is you're catching up to who you already are, not necessarily the other way around. And that would be how I would distinguish the two. Mm. Yeah, I like that. And I want to get a little bit more specific into the best approach for promotions in a minute, but I'm too eager to, to wait it off any longer. I want to talk to you about your current jump that you just made on July 12th, which is, I guess... From, from right now, about two weeks ago, you put in your two weeks at your current company. Like you said, you had had the conversation already with your boss that you were getting ready to step away. But this is a huge, huge uh, move for you. You started your consulting business a few years ago. And ever since, it's kind of been the, the side hustle, if you will. And now you're getting ready to make the full-time jump. What were maybe the three biggest reasons why now was the time that you pulled the trigger? Absolutely. I can tell you this has been an ongoing decision for the last six months. I, I one that I did not take lightly. What I, I tell you, the biggest reason was I wanted to create a life where I could take it with me wherever I went. And I wanted to be present for my kids. I've had the opportunity really that most of my promotions have happened even years that I've left on maternity leave. Like my career has truly not suffered even while growing a family. And part of that is I've been focused on being intentional through that, which is why I like supporting women. Like if you want to start a family, your career is not a roadblock. You should do whatever you feel right for yourself. 
but I wanted to be able to be the one that drops them off at daycare. I wanted to still provide the lifestyle that I want for all of us. And I decided, you know what, this is the time to go all in. Um, there are three and four and I sacrificed on purpose the first couple of years because I was preparing for this moment where now they remember, you know, they, their, their memories are really starting to form and they're going to remember seeing me around. So that was really important. I can tell you building my, my business on the weekends from 4am to 6am Saturday, Sunday for three years. I can't call that like super fun. It was definitely a lot of commitment, but now looking back, I'm here and I'm like, it's totally worth it. So that was definitely the, the, the top reason. The second reason would be, I know what I bring to the table um, through my own career and, and the coaching that I've been doing. And I started to have to turn people down because I didn't have the time to coach them privately. I felt that my calling at this point was on the line of, okay, hello, like, are you going to go all in and help people just go fulfill their dreams and go make the multiple six-figure income? I feel completely energized after a coaching call. And that is something that I personally found to be my most enjoyable part of my role in my corporate life was being a people leader. So I've kind of combined what I loved about my job, people leading and coaching and made that my own business. And that really translated to why I, I chose this side hustle to begin with. And the last focus was, one, I'm closer to my family now, physically in Texas. And I, I love being my own boss. I feel like that's something that I've learned through this time where, especially for myself, motivated people that are like, I will get it done. I will make it happen. I was like, what happens if I grab those 50, 60 hours a week I'm working for someone else's dream and fuel that into my own? What could happen? I'm in this moment right now of like, I'm going to go for it. Yeah, that's super exciting. Super exciting. And uh, and like you said, you have a you have a three and four year old. And one of the things so I watched your video on on Instagram on on when you kind of told everybody that you were making the the making the jump. And one of the things that I, I love that you talked about is how so many people when they're thinking about making a decision like this, they're thinking about what they're risking or what they're giving up if they quit. <laughs> what they're giving up if they quit. And they don't ask the question, like, what are they giving up if they don't quit? What are they risking if they don't quit? I, I loved when you talked about that. And, you know, a lot of people, if they're a mother of a three and four-year-old, they like the security and, and everything like that. And so it's easy, it could be easy for you to be like, I'm risking a lot with just having a three and four-year-old by going off on my own, but you chose to, to focus on the other thing. So I just kind of want you to kind of riff on the importance of really thinking about what you're risking by not making a jump you feel like you should make rather than thinking about risking what, what do you lose if you do make the jump? That's such a great, great question. I actually had one of my kids just run around me. So yeah, that was perfect, perfect, perfect timing on, on tackling all the things, but I kind of looking at that, I actually, I'll be completely transparent. One of the things that I had to work through was my own ego because I was in the trajectory in my corporate in my corporate life, I would call it, for that next role, probably fairly quickly. I had already been considered by multiple companies for that those higher executive roles. And that was something that I had been working on for so long that changing that plan made me question of, well, you're so close to this, like, this is the time to make this move or do you do you go for it? And then you say you've done it. But I took a step back and really looking at Okay, what happens when you get there? What's changed? A title. Okay, what does that mean? How, are you impacting more lives? Are you fulfilling your, your, your mission any better? Is this just to some self-fulfilling checkbox that really has no, no real meaning? And that's something I've had to journal on a lot. And that's really what I had to, in my mind, rephrase what I was giving up. And once I rephrased that, then I was, then it was very clear to me that that is just, that was more my ego talking than anything else. It really had no, no bearing in my plan and no bearing in what I needed to do next. And, and that definitely helped me out a lot. Yeah. Well, I feel like it comes down to the non-negotiable that you talked about at the beginning. Like the non-negotiable you had was wanting to be the mom who dropped your kids off at daycare and, and wanted to be the mom who they remembered because now they're three and four years old and starting to form those memories. So I feel like 
as you said, if you write out some of those non-negotiables, when certain decision or inflection points come up in your career, then you have something to go for, go off of. Absolutely. And to be transparent, I looked at the lives of some of these, the next level, and I wonder, like, what am I getting? Because that that looks miserable. <laughs> so I was like, that does not look like something that I want. So you're just doing it for the sake of, it was a previous path. And I think at times we put a plan together and it's so hard to deviate from that plan because it was set in stone, or maybe it's a plan that you've had an execution for the last five years, but it's okay to change your plans and realize, Hey, you know what, because of I was in this plan for the last five years, I learned how to help people really go after their dreams. Now that I've learned that new information in, okay, plan is redirecting into a next, a next goal. Yeah. Well, I'm, re- I'm really glad that you said that because I'm going to use that to transition to creating a vision for your career and kind of setting goals for your career. Because I think a lot of people don't take the time to, to sit down and create that vision or create those, those longer term goals. But, but kind of before diving into it, it's like, I think a lot of people don't create the vision or don't create the goals because they don't know exactly where they want to be. And so when they write it down, they're they don't know that that's where they want to go. So they just like, I'm not, I'm not just not even going to write anything down. I'm not going to write any goals down. But the idea is you write down the career vision or you write down your goals, not because that's necessarily exactly how it's going to go, but you're going to end up somewhere much better having written anything than you are if you, if you had written nothing, right? So it's like, you can be on the trajectory towards your goals or the trajectory towards your vision, but then realize that things have changed. Your values have changed. You get married, you have kids whatever happens and, and and that vision changes a little bit. So talk about, talk about how maybe you have gone about creating an initial vision for your career and then maybe how that process has adapted over time. That's a great, great question. I would say the first, how I started, and I'll tell you a little bit about how I even encourage my clients to go about it in an exercise that I would encourage everyone to do. When I first was looking at what is my next step? Where do I go from here? I really narrowed down on who around me I highly respected and who around me I felt like embodied the life that I would want to one day have. Or even, even if you are wanting to be maybe a leader in some, in some kind, whether it's on a technical side or on a, on a management side, I looked at the people that, that I, I respected and said, wow, this person carries themselves the way that I would hope I would carry myself. And when I looked at my career trajectory, I never quite say like, oh, I want to be a level one, then a level two, then a level three. It was more of, I want to be this type of person and I want to be this type Mm. of leader and I want to be this type of technical expertise. And I hone in on who I wanted to be. Now the titles and how I got there was still a little bit kind of cloudy at the beginning because you have, you don't have all that information, but I would encourage, who do you want to be? Who have you looked at and say, that person has my dream career, not because of the industry that they're in, but because of maybe the, the way that they, they're, they're managing teams. Are they leading large projects? What are the themes of things that you are personally attracted to? And those are clues right there in front of you to start writing down. I would, I would say, write down those themes, project. Oh, I like leading projects. I feel fulfilled when I'm helping mentor someone. Those moments where you get that energy and you can do them, I call it, if you can do it hungry and tired, it's probably should be part of your vision board. And if you can do those things hangry, then you can definitely, it's definitely part of your vision board and start, start writing that down, start writing those clues. And I love doing this exercise for, for anyone that's looking for that next step, because we have this belief and I see it a lot that if you start in one industry maybe you don't really have an option to move to another one. Or if you start in one specific path, you kind of pigeonhole yourself into a corner. I, I would encourage to do this exercise, find leaders of random organizations, just type in COO of X company and look at their history because nine times out of 10, in order for them to get to those levels, they've climbed different ladders and they've gone through different industries learn different things and they're very well-rounded. So perhaps you started out of college in an industry that now you're, you're, you're not aligned with. You can make that change right now. Just allow yourself to open up those doors that you think are closed 
And I think that times why creating a vision is so hard is because we don't think we have a lot of options. You do have a lot of options. It's really about packaging yourself to go into those options, but that's actually not as hard as people think. And go inspire yourself. Go look at people on LinkedIn, connect with them, talk to them, ask them about, hey, I saw that you made the transition from the food and beverage industry to automo- like automotive. Tell me about that. And we don't take for, we're, there's a whole network of people out there that personally would love to tell you their story. And a lot of the times we don't even reach out because they don't think, we don't think they'll respond. I tell you, I have meetings with CEOs all the time because I send them a note on LinkedIn. So go get inspired and go have those connections, build them, get more information. This is the research moment for you to create your vision, do some research and don't think anything is off the table. We're going to take a brief pause in the interview really quickly because if you're somebody who is looking to achieve a fitness goal or maybe you lack motivation to get into the gym, you lack some structure in your weekly routine, or maybe you've been wanting to get back into the fitness game and get back to maybe your weight loss goal or whatever goal it is, and you're not really quite sure how. If that sounds like you, my 10-week program is for you because I help everybody set a very specific goal. Then we create a very specific strategy of the two or the three things that we need to do every single week that we believe are going to make us successful with our overall goal. And that'll help you execute and I'll help you hold you accountable every single week. So you do the things that you kind of know you should be doing, but you're you're not quite doing them right now. And that's what I've done with hundreds of people over the past 365 days, over the past a little over a year. And I want you to make sure that you are part of it as well. And enough for me, I want you to hear from the people who have done it in the past, what they've got out of it and, and why they did it in the first place. So here you go. I cannot say enough good things about Nick's 10 week program. I have always been somebody who has worked out but never really had a fitness goal. If anything I really wanted to achieve, it was more so just to stay in shape. And Nick does a great job of helping you not only define the goal, but also realize what steps you need to take to get there. Tomorrow, as of my weigh-in week nine, I hit my goal of losing 25 pounds in 10 weeks. Just the whole methodology of the program with it being one big goal, followed by some smaller goals to help me reach that big goal and then the weekly commitments to help me reach those smaller goals. During these times, it's helped strengthen my mental health and strengthen my focus and really made sure to hold me accountable to my goals. I'm so happy that I was able to hit the goal and uh, so much so that I decided to do another 10 weeks with Nick. I would recommend it to anybody, no matter what your goals are, if it's weight loss, if it's running a shorter mile, if it's anything you would like to achieve, I think that this program gives you the tools to set yourself up for success. But one of the biggest benefits for me, and the biggest takeaway I had, was one I wasn't necessarily set out to improve upon, and that was building more self-confidence and really instilling self-accountability. The program was great. Um, I'm doing it again a second time to continue my weight loss, and just can't recommend it enough. So again, guys, if you lack motivation, if you lack structure, if you want to get back into your fitness game, but you're not really sure how, then I want you to make sure you go to nickcarrier.com slash 10-week programs. Again, nickcarrier.com slash 10-week programs to learn more. For now, let's get back to the interview. Yeah, I, I love that. And I, like you said, don't think anything's off the table. Reach out to people and, and hear from them. I, th- I think that's amazing advice. Now, people are going to hear this and they're going to like what you just said and they're still not gonna go do it, right? A lot of people know they should kind of lay out a vision for themselves. They know they should have these conversations. They know they should do this. They know they should do that. But then when it comes down to it, a couple of days later when they set aside some time to maybe do it, they're gonna be like, ah, I I should do something else. And one of the biggest reasons probably for that is because they have a lack of belief that it's really going to help them out that much. Because when you, when you do that, it's like you're not getting any tangible feedback right now. You're not getting any tangible result right now when you're creating a vision. So the reason why I say that is because if you were to be talking to somebody right now who thinks it's a good idea to create that vision, but in a couple of days they might not do it for whatever reason, what can you say to them to almost just preach the importance again of why it is so damn important to do that? I would say the biggest the biggest advice here would be there will be a time in that one or two years of prolonging what this at the end of the day will it need to happen in order for you to be happy yes 
The question is, when do you want to reach that level of happiness for yourself? Mm. Do you want, do you want it in three years or do you want to start getting the ball rolling for it to be within six months and take that first step, whether that first step is asking for a LinkedIn recommendation from a previous boss, whether it's dusting off that resume that you have no idea where it is saved on your desktop, whether it's just finding it and putting it on, on your, as your wallpaper. So you remember, Oh, I should be updating that. Take one baby step and start getting into motion because once you're in motion, like I say, an object in motion stays in motion. That is, it goes really for all aspects of your life. And truthfully, the biggest thing is you need someone that is understanding of what you want to do and go tell them your goal. Even if you don't have the vision, even if you don't know how it would look, tell it to someone that's going to hold you accountable and say, Nick, I haven't heard from you. I I thought you said you weren't happy. What's going on? Like, why haven't I seen you share with me your vision board? Uh, You're right. I'm I'm glad you're you're bringing that up. Because at the end of the day, it, it really goes back to you want it to happen. And what I notice is that the longer you wait, the more frustrated you are, the more cloudy decision-making becomes, and you find yourself really second-guessing your gut instinct. I I hear people being like, well, I waited this long. Maybe my gut's broken. I can't make decisions. It's, it's, It's not broken. It's just about taking that first step. And I know it might be it might be one of those things that you're going to finish this podcast and you have a million things to do is, are those million things going to help you get to the place that you want to go? And that might be a time to reprioritize some things. And I, I like to be very direct and I'm pretty probably brutally honest, but really at the end of the day, if what's distracting you from creating the life that you want, and is that a, is that a fair trade? Is that something that you would want to look back and be like, well, I'm proud I made that trade and not worked on, on getting myself to a good place. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's it's kind of putting instant gratification to the side and like letting, do, like doing the hard work now that's going to pay off like down the road and not just because there's going to be a lot of urgent things that people think, ah, oh, I need to do this right now. I need to do this right now. And, and you probably do have to do some of those things pretty soon, but set aside a little bit of the time. Like you said, get the ball rolling because an object in motion stays in motion. And so just, do something small right now to, to get going and say it to somebody else. Because I think, like you said, the more that you communicate it to somebody else, the more it becomes real to that person, but, but the more it becomes real to you as well. And the more that you say it, the more that you're going to do things on a daily basis in order to make that thing become a reality. Absolutely. And let me tell you a quick, just a quick story of a call yeah. this morning that I was having with a client. She mentioned to me, I feel I feel lucky because I we've been working together for the last three years on and off. And she goes, during 2020, I had multiple offers of people asking me if I wanted to have a job. And I feel like I, I don't know why I was so lucky. Almost like thinking maybe I, I was doing something wrong to be lucky when people are wanting to go get a job. And I reminded her, well, look at the previous two years. Look at 2018. Look at 2019. How many seeds were you planting? It's not luck. It's just everything that you've been doing consistently over the last three years came to fruition. It's not luck. It's just mm. you're now harvesting all those seeds that you've been planting. And at times we, I get it, we put the seed in the ground and we're not, we can't see it. But if you do that consistently and it becomes a second muscle, almost like it's just a second reflex, when all of a sudden you get all these opportunities and you're like, oh, I wonder why I'm doing this, why, why, why this is happening to me, it's your own work coming to life. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I think that's really important. One of the things that you mentioned earlier on was how people sometimes say they their gut is broken and, and they can't trust their gut. And, and a lot of people will say that they trusted their gut to make a decision, or some people will say, don't trust your gut. And so I kind of want to talk about the right balance of, quote, trusting your gut, because I think sometimes that's super, super important. But I think there's a lot of times people will will say that they trusted their gut, but what they really might have done was run away from an uncomfortable situation. Because I think that, you know, sometimes you start something new and it feels off or it feels challenging and it and it feels uncomfortable. And sometimes that you make mistake that for your gut not telling you you should do it when in reality it's just hard, it's just difficult, it's just something new and you should stick with it. But then sometimes we should trust our gut for other reasons. So what's kind of like the right balance do you feel like where we should interpret our gut reaction in the right way? So I had a 
I had a client of mine once tell me, you know, I don't trust my gut because I made a decision two years ago to come into this role and I'm still miserable. Mm. And we went back and looked and said, okay, well, what information did you have two years ago when you make this decision? Oh, well, these were the three factors that play into play into effect. Okay. Ignoring what you know today, look back at that situation with those three factors. Would you still make that decision based on those three factors? Yes. Okay. Well, you have, you know, you still have the same, now you have more information. I completely understand that, but we cannot go back in time and dissect every decision that we make over the last 10 years to stay, to almost validate our gut or not. It's about using the data that we have, the information that we, that we have within our, within our hands. And once we make the decision, living with that decision. And I think that sometimes can be the hardest part. Um, you know, employers look, I had a, one of my, another client gave her two weeks notice and her boss said, well, the, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. And she called me freaking out of, well, what if it's not greener? Like, but based on our conversation, the grass that you're in right now is dead. So even if it's a shade lighter of green, is that better? Yes. Okay. Then use the data that you have right now. And I think making big changes can be really scary. And we might want to blame our gut or say, follow your gut. At the end of the day, there's going to be a, a level of information in front of you. Looking at that, what is the trickle effect of that decision based on what you know today? And then if it was a wrong decision, then later on, analyze it. Why? Why was that? What information did I not have? Okay, well, now I know that in order for me to make a similar decision moving forward, I have to know, I have to get more information about the culture of the team. I didn't do enough research about that. And that's super important. Okay, great. Now we learn what are your non-negotiables that you would have not known had you not been in this position. And I think we take for granted the lessons that we're learning over time. I would call it all those mistakes, all those lessons learned, anytime your gut was broken or it it worked, um, all those are going to attribute to your overnight success one day, right? And that's, we we take for granted all those, all those moments. However, if you get into a position that is costing you to be uncomfortable, is it time to grow? And a lot of times I push people to get into those uncomfortable roles because it's going to force them to become the next version of themselves. I mean, there's a reason why I had just an iPhone 11. If you're still operating as an iPhone 3 and you're not willing to grow, at some point, a lot of things are going to be outdated. So yeah, it might be painful. Yeah, you might have to re-download some apps, reconnect it to your phone or reconnect it to your TV. But once you do all those things, you'll be happier because you're operating at a whole new level. And sometimes that is the most uncomfortable piece is actually the growth that comes from being in a new role that is pushing us to do things we've never done before. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt, like you like you had kind of touched on earlier, when, like you said, going into something uncomfortable and something new is going to allow you to grow into a newer version of yourself. I really liked, and I meant to mention it earlier when you talked about looking at the different people who you admire and and looking at what they do and who they are and kind of setting goals to become that type of person. And I, you've probably maybe have heard the quote before, but I think Jim Rohn talks about how set goals, not based on the results that you want to achieve, but based on the person that you want to become. And I think that's just super, super key. And keep in mind, like I say that, to keep in mind of people that if you are thinking that you're un- like uncomfortable, then keep in mind that that's the ex- potentially right where you need to be to get to the, to the next better version of yourself. Um, but I kind of want to go to, I kind of want to go to something, the practical, like I talked about earlier, the potentially negotiating your salary or potentially asking for that promotion. What does somebody to kind of prior to actually asking for it or negotiating it, what does somebody need to do to analyze whether or not that's even the conversation appropriate to have right now? So I would recommend let's talk promotions first, because there are different strategies for promotions and negotiation. So talking about promotions first, the biggest thing is you've got to create a cadence of development and career discussions with your supervisor mm-hmm. long before you're even overdue for a promotion or even, even if you're close to having a promotion. So the goal here is you're going to create a cadence where even if your boss doesn't, doesn't bring up the topic naturally, you are putting a, a repetitive nature of, let's talk about my skill sets, let's talk about what I'm doing, uh, where am I succeeding, where... Um, where am I going to go next? What project should I be tackling? And having a really good understanding of what your boss sees as the as next level for you. And 
I, I love this because I think we take for granted that, or we believe our bosses have this amazing checklist that they say, you're ready for this. And a lot of the times it's very subjective. It's very subjective to what your boss thinks is the next level. So you need to understand, first of all, what do they consider to be the next level? What, what do they value? What, what are they seeing from your performance and vice versa? I would encourage that you should aim for being a top performer every year. Make your cases for promotions be so seamless that it's just an easy conversation of, oh, we've reached the point where we've checked all the things that we've been talking about. So don't make career development something that you touch on every once, once every two years. Make it a cadence with your supervisor. Another reason why that's important, not just promotion aside, it reminds your supervisor of everything you are doing. It reminds mm-hmm. them of where you are. And if the thing is, a lot of times promotion conversations happen out of cycle or they're, they're just random situations where HR calls your boss and says, hey, do you have anyone over to you? We were doing a quick round of, of promotions. And if you've not even talked to them at all in the last six months about this, they're, they're not going to bring your name up. That's the truth. Uh, they're, they're not. And I look at the job market over the last 18 months, more people are doing more jobs. That's the reality. Most likely your boss is doing more jobs. So you, you have to create, you have to make it as easy as your boss being like, oh yeah, here's a forward the email of our last one-on-one where we really dictates everything that this person is doing. I have had great success with all my clients just by being able to create that cadence. And what they find is that they were going after different things that they thought were valuable because a peer of them said, oh, I heard so-and-so got a promotion because they worked on this type of project. Like, I mean, just myths that happen in organizations go to the yeah. person who's going to actually have a say. So create that cadence. And when you are ready for that discussion, I have always gone to my bosses and I encourage my teams to do the same is here's a document kind of stating why I believe I'm ready for the next level. Uh, what would you like to be next steps? Do you want me to check in with you in the next month or so? Um, I know October is the round where we're submitting promotions. Is there anything you need between now and then? And you made it so easy that all they're doing is putting a stamp of approval and saying, wow, this is the most information I've ever had for anyone's promotion. And you're not going off saying, I deserve it. You're saying, you're going to make the conclusion that you deserve it. Here's the reasons why. So that would, that would be my recommendation for more of a promotion discussion. Make it treated like a corporation. I mean, if you were your own company, you would have quarterly reviews of your finances and your performance. If your boss is not dictating that, you sit down and have those conversations, bring, bring that control back into your, into your life. And the cool thing about that is I've seen supervisors say, oh, you know what? This is really great work. You should talk to my boss. I would like for them to see everything you're doing because you're going to make me look good. And then you have even further exposure. So on the promotion side, that's my go-to method. And that's kind of what I, that's what I push my clients on and creating that plan for them. Yeah, I think that cadence of accountability is is so key um, for all the, I mean, obviously all the reasons that you just talked about. One of the things that you said though, is if you are asking for that promotion, come in with, with a document explaining kind of why, giving your case as to why you're the right person for the promotion. And I know it's going to be different from job to job, but what are, what's kind of an overview of what that document should sound like and look like and, and have on it? So looking at your current responsibilities, what are the, I would Put your current responsibilities from top to bottom, putting the top, everything that you know already falls in line with the next two levels up. Say, I'm already managing projects of, let's say, $100 million, and which normally only a senior does. Like, Go with those points that really showcase that you're already doing the work of two levels higher and key, key achievements. I see a lot of people forget their achievements, and they, we, mm-hmm. we're in such a fast-paced world that what you did two months ago, you probably don't even remember. And my team used to give me the biggest heartache about, I used to tell them, I, I used to send back their mid-year, mid-year evaluations and say, you haven't talked about these three things. Why are they not in here? And I was like, hey, you're not always going to have a boss who remembers all your achievements. I need you to start you know, remembering these things. And now yeah. that I'm not there, they're all like, thank you so much for, uh, for putting that in, in instilling in us. But I would recommend have a OneNote, have a Google Doc, have a Word document where you just remember all those things and keep it keep it there. Um, that way, when you're ready to craft this document that you're going to show your boss, it's literally just trimming things down, making it look nice, and sharing. Hey, here's my here's my log of achievements and my current responsibilities rank from 
the senior level down to my day-to-day and everything that I'm managing. That right there is enough for them to create a case. I like that. I like that. Well, I want to get down to the last couple of questions to make sure I get you out of here on time. If you had to use one word to describe what has allowed you to success in your career and all the career achievements that you've had when you were uh, back working for companies and now to where you are, if you had to use one word to summarize kind of what, how, why you've gotten to the level of success that you have, what would that one word be and why? Intentional. I, mm-hmm. I say that probably every day. I feel like in one of my IG stories, I, everything has been with intention. And the moment something stopped feeling intentional, I took a pause, reanalyzed and asked myself why, what was introduced that changed that feeling and use that moment to reevaluate if I was still headed in the right direction. And I've made big changes looking at that. And I mean, I went from making multiple six figures to becoming an intern again earlier in my career because I wanted to make a pivot. And, but I became an intern again with intention because I knew that was my foot in the door to another, another realm in my, in my career. And it ended up panning out for me because it was, again, it wasn't just going through the through going through the motions. So if you don't feel like you're living your life with intention, um, that's a sign. That's a sign that something needs to be relooked at, and it, that might give you a sign as well that the current plan is no longer the one that you should be in. Yeah, well, I'm. I think that comes full circle because you can't do anything with intention if you don't have some sort of vision for where you want to go. Because a uh, the prerequisite to intention is having some sort of goal or having having some sort of vision. So that kind of brings home the importance of having some sort of a, a vision and a plan for yourself. Um, so that, that's awesome, Andrea. Well, before I ask the last question, I just want to acknowledge your ability to be so intentional throughout your career. Because again, I think so many people, especially early on in their careers, they let everything just kind of, they, they fly by the seat of their pants and, and they don't really see the importance of of laying out a vision and, and being super intentional with your career, but you found a way to take control of that early on. And, and like you said, because you had such, such clarity in regards to where you wanted to go, you were able to make such informed decisions that you could be confident in all the way back to when you made that jump from a six figure down to an intern, all the way now from having a really good job, maybe getting ready to be promoted pretty soon to being able to make this jump on your own because you had the vision, because you had the non-negotiables, because you had these things, you could make your career as intentional as possible. And and therefore you're much happier, much more fulfilled because of it. I love it. I love it. Well, great stuff. Well, uh, I want you guys to make sure you go uh, and follow Andrea on Instagram if you have not followed her yet at Mrs. Andrea Martin uh, uh, on Instagram. And then you can also, I'll have her website linked up on uh, on the on the show notes as well. Is there any other great place where people can go follow you and support you and, and learn more about you? I, same username. I recently joined TikTok. So if you can help me become TikTok famous, no, I'm kidding, but go follow me there. I'm going to be sharing different advice there. Awesome. Beautiful. Well, last question, Andrea, is I think that getting closer to the best version of yourself is both a constant journey and I think it's a unique journey. I don't think we're ever to that best version of ourself. And I also think that the way that I'm going to get closer to the best version of myself is a little bit different than the way that you're going to get closer to the best version of yourself. So final question is for you personally, if there are three things that you can currently do and currently work on to get closer to the best version of yourself. And what are those three things that you could currently do or currently work on? I would say every day have your brain food. And I, and I'm not talking about physically eating something. I'm talking about what are you listening? What are you injecting? I mean, you're, if you're listening to, to this podcast, you're doing this today, but what are you doing every day that is going to help you get the mindset to conquer those goals and be the next version of yourself? So brain food every day, that's, that's a non-negotiable. Um, and it can be a, a book as well. The second thing would be who do you are who are you surrounded with and do they inspire you or are you doing the inspiring? And I I like to encourage that, you know, especially for my loyal, my loyal, my loyal people that feel like they're once you're friends with someone, you can't ever really let them go. You are allowed to love people from afar and cheer them on from afar. But if they're not helping you become better, it's a time to kind of analyze that and, and think through that. And the third thing is 
looking at every single day and thinking, did I get one step closer to, to my goal? Am I doing something today? Whether it's small, whether it's just putting in your, you know, your workout shoes to go around the block. And maybe that's, it wasn't a full on workout, but Hey, you got moving, whether it's, I actually sent a sales pitch to a potential client, do those things that, you know, get you one step closer. And even if it's a baby step, take one every single day. Hmm. I love that. I love that. Those are three great things. I really appreciate you spending the time, Andrea. I know so many of our listeners are going to get so much value out of today. Like, And there's so many great actionable things in here from the things that you can write down and give to your boss if you want to have a promotion, making sure you have non-negotiables, how to create a vision and everything like that. All amazing things that everybody should go and, uh, and make sure they take action on either later today, tomorrow, or later this week. So I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. No, thank you. This was amazing. I appreciate the conversation. I hope you all enjoyed that amazing interview on how to move up in your career with Andrea Martin. Be sure you share this episode with a friend or family member. Be sure to rate it and review it on iTunes and the Apple Podcast app and let me know what your favorite takeaway from Andrea was. Remember, set your non-negotiables. Know the things that you definitely want out of your career and your work schedule and know the things that you definitely don't want because that's what's going to inform your decision-making. Remember to set goals and create your career vision based on the type of person that you wish to become. Be sure you create a cadence of career development meetings with your supervisor or with your boss so that you can stay in touch with them and keep them informed of all that you're working on and all that you're doing. These are the things that are going to lead you to having the career of your dreams and lead you closer and closer to your best you. 